Hi, welcome to episode three of The Teacher's Promise. I'm your host, Brett Hansen, and I'm honored to help celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing the stories of extraordinary, dedicated, compassionate people just like you, and exploring important ideas that will make us all better educators. This week, Josh Rankin will take us through the bulletproof glass, where many of our children live every day, into the world of alternative education at the NEW School of Innovation in urban Green Bay, Wisconsin. We hope you'll return again next week when Amanda Spoody and I discuss the pros and cons of teaching in a rural school district. These two episodes really show how different environments create very different experiences for both students and educators. So let's get to it. So it's my great pleasure today to um, bring on the show a good friend and an excellent teacher, uh, Josh Rankin. Um, I've known Josh for a while. We've done a lot of great things together, and I'm really excited for you to hear about um, the, his program in Green Bay and uh, many of his teaching philosophies. So welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Can you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, your experience and maybe a little bit about where you taught and why you became a teacher? Sure. Um, so my experience, I've taught for 17 years now, and that's taken me a variety of different places. Um, private school, public school, uh, rural school, inner city school, uh, international school in Shanghai, China. Um, so quite literally all over the world, uh, I, I've had the opportunity to be in a lot of different buildings and a lot of different settings with school. Um, why I wanted to be a teacher, uh, I guess started really when I was in high school. I did a mentoring program um, for a class where we went into elementary schools and uh, worked with one teacher in a classroom for an entire semester and uh, realized early on I I liked the mentoring aspect. I liked working with young people um, and uh, building relationships and making connections and um, so it started there, and then uh, through college and grad school, really um, identifying strengths that I have in me of connecting with, with younger people and um, providing service and mentorship. Cool. That's uh, a great path. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you teach now in Green Bay and the program that you're, um, you're, you're working on there? Sure. Uh, I'm at NEW School of Innovation. It's a charter alternative school in the Green Bay Area Public School District. Um, we service 7th through now 12th grade uh, students in a non-traditional setting. So students that haven't had a lot of success in traditional classrooms, um, some with uh, credit deficiency, uh, others with um, just different issues that they've had in schools and so looking for an alternative path to high school graduation. Uh, we just completed year three of our school, so uh, very much still a work in, in progress, um, but really focused on kind of the mission of meeting students where they're at um, and building relationships and helping them to find some success in the classroom, which they haven't had in a long time. Um, some of the issues uh, certainly self-inflicted uh, that the students have, and a lot of them outside of their control um, of circumstance and 
um, serious challenges uh, when it comes to food scarcity, um, when it comes to um, struggling just to have kind of a stable place to belong, um, some emotional issues. So we do a lot of social emotional learning as a centerpiece to our school. And again, trying to uh, help students to have success in the classroom, which uh, hasn't happened for them. So Josh, can you tell us a little bit about how fundamental compassion is in your program? I mean, I believe that compassion is central to all teaching, but in a situation like yours with your program, uh, it seems like it's even more essential. But tell us a little bit about how compassion fits into your curriculum or your philosophy. Yeah, I think it's centered in everything we do. I talked a little bit earlier about uh, meeting students where they're at. Um, I think of education as a as a calling for service, towards service. Um, and I think it's centered on relationships. Um, I, a quote that I've heard that I really use and try to center in my own thinking when I approach the classroom is, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Um, and that has been huge, uh, especially with the students that I've worked with for the last 11 years um, that have um, really struggled in public schools and um, have issues at times around trust and trusting adults. And uh, it's pivotal um, that everything becomes about relationship building. Um, I, I think that you can know all the content or have all the content knowledge in the world, but if you can't connect with students, if if you don't um, really center compassion, uh, it's a hard job. Um, it's a hard job anyway. It's a hard job for those of us that really do focus on that aspect of teaching. Um, but it's absolutely vital and pivotal. Um, you know, I for me, uh, I can't remember a lot of things that teachers did as far as lessons, as far as, um, you know, strategies they used in the classroom. I remember the teachers and how they made me feel. Um, and the ones that had a huge impact on my life, I, again, I, I don't know, I know I took content away from it in some, some way, but more it was the feeling that I had in their classroom. Um, you know, was it inviting? Was it light? Um, was it a place that I felt like I could take risks in learning? Um, because I think we all know that's where learning takes place, is that ability to push ourselves, right, to think differently. And we have to feel safe with the people that, that are leading those um, classrooms in order to, to uh, push that a little bit. So I think, um, for me, that's what I try to create in my classroom, is that sense of community of come as you are, um, of acceptance, of compassion. I, I model that with my students, and then I think it's really vital to build that within the, the classroom. And that takes time. You know, that's not an easy thing to do. And some years and some semesters, I think I'm better at it than others. Um, but certainly centering everything we do around relationship building, around compassion is, um, what makes teaching um, amazing. Yeah. Um, can you
can you think of a teacher or someone? You don't have to remember the person's name, but if you can, that would be great so we can celebrate that teacher as well who did that for you that made you feel connected, a teacher, a coach, any any educator? Sure. Um, I think I, you know, in elementary school, it was certainly my fourth grade teacher, Miss Lewis. And again, I know we studied stuff like geography, right, and state capitals and other important facts, probably times tables. I Thankfully, I remember those things, you know, I can, I still know my times tables, so that's good. Um, but I just remember the feeling of the classroom. You know, I remember um, some afternoons where I would say, wow, today went really fast. And she'd be like, well, time flies when you're having a blast, you know, and it was the lightness and it was the, um, the way that the, the room felt when you walked in. It, it just had a vibe and a feeling to it. Um, and so that was one teacher that I still look back on. Um, middle school, it was a speech and drama teacher, Miss Serna, um, which was an elective course. And to get middle schoolers to like speech and drama um, and being in front of people, I think would be a hard job. But she had that same ability. You know, it the room felt different when you walked in. Um, it didn't feel like an authoritarian place where somebody was was ruling with an iron fist. It was inviting, it was accepting, there was laughter, um, but not chaos, there was structure to it too, which I think is a fine line that you walk as an educator. And um, the ones that do at the highest levels, uh, can walk that line. And then I had a high school teacher who was also my basketball coach, Mr. Herner, um, and it was the same thing. I, I think it helped that all the middle school and um, high school teachers, they were content areas I liked, which I think did help um, in walking in the door, but it was more of how the room felt, um, the intentionality of building community in that space. Um, you know, I think that at the beginning of every year and throughout, it was a lot of Socratic seminar type discussions, us sitting in a circle, everyone equal in a circle, and uh, everybody's viewpoints valid, um, everybody's feelings valid. And uh, that was made by, again, exceptional adults in the room that were able to help create that space. Yeah. Well, we are grateful for those wonderful teachers and that they had such a positive impact on you because now you're paying all that forward with um, with those skills and those abilities with your students, so thanks to them. So what interests you most right now in education? What are you uh, most curious about, most uh, concerned about, anything? What, what, what's at the forefront of your, uh, your mind right now? Sure, um, something I've been thinking about a lot recently is just overall, what is the point of public education? Um, for me, I think the intent and the drive has always been and needs to be um, our goal is to help cultivate citizens that can participate in a democratic society. Um, and in, in some ways, that's been confused with is, is the point to, again, have citizens in a democratic society who can participate or laborers in a capitalist economy who can produce. And I think at times those two forces are working against each other in public education. Um, for me, 
idealistically, it is, it's certainly about democratic citizenry. I think democracy is something that continues to be worked at and needs to. Um, it is ever evolving of what that means. Um, and so in schools of, you know, how can people articulate their thinking? How can they empower themselves to make um, decisions that uh, can benefit uh, their lives? And um, I think also, you know, to be able to be informed um, on different things and, and know what your rights are, you know, what uh, is important to you. And so I, I struggle with that of, you know, when we have so many things do, being done, um, we need to fix schools, we need to do this to schools, we need to make schools more efficient um, and in different ways, you know, again, what do we go back to is the what is the guiding principle and what is the point of public education and on good days i feel like i can articulate it and say this is what we're doing this is the call um and on bad days uh when things feel really overwhelming um and the amount of what i think of as uh obstacles in front of that ultimate goal of um, helping people to participate in a democratic city or state, um, I get overwhelmed. And uh, so it depends on the day. Now here in July and the summer, I'm feeling pretty optimistic. Yeah. You're generally optimistic guy as far as I remember. And uh, we need more teachers like you who are optimistic and um, willing to tackle the tough issues because, you know, the the push for more testing and the, the scoring and the evaluations that generally come from well-intentioned people but who aren't near the actual students that are spending so much time testing and possibly failing and, and you know getting knocked around like that is, uh, is something we should keep an eye on. So, um, so what advice would you give to other educators, especially young educators, people coming into the profession? Um, okay, we're going to do the optimistic thing, right? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, I think that for young educators, uh, constantly centering your why. Um, it's, it's really important. That's why I appreciate this conversation and other conversations that I have with educators. Um, I need to be reminded of the why. Um, and everybody needs to identify that for themselves. You know, the why for me is certainly uh, relationships, compassion, service, um, and also for the for the greater good. You know, what I, I think that public education has the power to transform. Education does in general, and so um, I need to constantly center the why. Um, and I think for young teachers, you know, especially early on in that first year when the what and the how was being thrown at you constantly, um, of how am I possibly going to fit all of these things into a school day, never mind a school year, um, and cover what I need to cover, um, taking time to go back to your why. And uh, the ones that are meant to do this job, um, center that why around service. You know, I have to be reminded 
all the time by myself um, of why we're doing what we're doing, which at times public education, it feels like a fight. You know, it just does every day. Um, and so what is the, why are we here and why are we doing it uh, is big. I think that also, you know, coming into it, relying on fellow educators, um, you know, the people in your building, the culture of a school is so important. Um, and having a group of people that are committed to that, to that same why, I think uh, building level leadership plays a huge role in that. Um, but know that uh, this job can be done, it can be done well, it's going to be really hard. Um, but as long as you keep your focus on your why and keep reminding yourself, um, you can do it. Yeah, it's great advice um, for young teachers. Uh, stay focused on your why. And I will regularly remind you, we will regularly remind you that one of the reasons why is because it nurtures your soul. Um, you know, one of the main goals of the Teacher's Promise is to remember that every time you serve a student, a child, um, you are becoming a better human being. You are expanding your soul. You are enriching the world. And those benefits um, often don't really show up as much until you get a little older. Uh, for younger teachers who feel it and, and know what I'm talking about, uh, that's wonderful. You're very fortunate. But for me, it took a long time. So. Great advice, stay focused on the why, and we'll help you stay focused on that long-term uh, benefit. Um, you know, you make the promise to serve them, and I, I assure you it will pay off uh, for you as a human being. So, um, so can you tell us any uh, funny stories? I mean, <laughs> you've been pretty serious, and these are wonderful topics, important ones, but um, can you give us a, an entertaining or funny story from the world of alternative education? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of them. Um, I think one here at Southern Door, actually. And what I've been thinking about, and it's in the greater context, I think, for alt ed and public school in general, is we need to do a better job of telling our story, of um, writing our own narratives. I think so much is written about public education. Um, I think so much is shouted about public education. Um, and teachers aren't the best self-promoters in the world. Um, and yeah, I think it's true. important that we tell our own story um, because, and allow our students to tell the story, you know, even more importantly. But um, we were doing something here where there was a, a business organization that was looking to take on uh, some sort of project in human service. So whether it was in healthcare, it was education, and they were looking at the SOAR program of, you know, can we help support something like this as they were going and touring different places. And so they came by our program and um, our principal asked me to, you know, just talk about the why a little bit and talk about the program. And so that's something I'm comfortable doing passionately, you know, talking about our students and where they come from and um, what we're doing uh, intentionally in this space. And as I'm talking, I had students in the room and I kept glancing over at one of the students and he was somebody who was pretty disinterested most days and hard to keep on task. And he was just locked in, you know, he was, he had a book out, he was taking notes in a separate notebook and he was 
really, really like laser like focused as this, you know, 15, 20 minute conversation was going on. And so um, after it ended and the, the people left, I kind of came and did a check in with everybody to see how they were doing. And I was like, well, so what'd you get done? You know, and he goes, oh, nothing. I'm like, what do you mean nothing? And he goes, I was just pretending while those people were here. They seemed like they were important. <laughs> and I first said, well, congratulations, way to read the room, uh, good job. But another student immediately was like, dude, why didn't you just actually do work instead of pretending to do work, right? You spent the 20 minutes working so hard at pretending to do work. You could have actually just been done, you know, actually been doing work. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a, it was a good moment. That's funny. We really should consider maybe offering an elective class in, in high schools. Uh, we could call it something like Pretending 101 because we have a lot of students who are really good <laughs> yes. at pretending like they're, they're doing stuff. That's hilarious. Okay, so what's new for you? What's next? What's coming up? What, uh, what do you want to do in the future? Um, what's going on for Josh? Uh, well, I'm completing my second master's degree this summer. This one's in ed leadership uh, through UW-Madison. Um, educational leadership and policy analysis uh, for my principal administrative license. So, uh, I don't know. As I get close to the end of the program, I, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, it's certainly been formative for me in thinking about the work uh, of education um, and to see it through a different lens, uh, that of administrators. So I, I think ultimately um, being in a building level leadership position, um, helping to uh, create and continue vision of a place. Um, so on, on good days, it's to be a building level leader in public education and on days that I don't want to do it is to build a little coffee shop on my back property and have a drive through that people can pick up uh, breakfast burritos and iced coffee. Well, let's let's keep that breakfast burrito coffee shop next to the highway on the far back burner and keep okay. you in the classroom. So, um, well, congratulations on, on that second master's degree and working toward it. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up that you wanted to mention that I haven't asked or? Um, no, I think telling our story again, you know, is it's just vital. And Brett, I commend you. That's what you're doing here. You're having educators tell their story. And so I really appreciate that. Um, you know, there's a lot of moments that I've had where compassion I've needed to lean on completely. Um, I had a student in the last couple of years that right after graduating um, or completing with me, he got arrested and thrown in jail. And I went and visited him. And um, as he came in and we're against the you know bulletproof glass, uh, he just leaned his head up against it and uh, was crying and said, I just can't catch a break. And I wanted to step through that glass and give the kid a hug, um, somebody that you know, has had a lot of things happen to him in his life. Um, and so that's the fight when we're talking about, you know, that there's kids' lives at stake in this. And uh, that's the weight of our um, profession and why it's so vital and so important. And uh, it needs people that uh, 
that center compassion and that are there for the kids and that are there to show up every single day. And so um, I think I'll hold off on the burrito stand and the coffee shop for right now. But I, I think this is so important what you're doing. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. So at the end of every show, we always um, thank the teacher because it is really important that we um, give as much as we can to the people who are constantly giving. So um, on behalf of all the teachers and all the students who didn't fit into the normal path, like me, um, as, a, as a student who quit high school, took five years, barely made it, uh, and behalf of my sister who went to an alternative education program and uh, wouldn't have gotten her GED without it and she remembers clearly that teacher who was there for her in the way that she needed someone to be there for her um, we want to thank you for being that teacher who communes with um, kids who might look like adults but really are just still kids um, you know crying behind bulletproof glass uh, someone's got to go there and do that, and we thank you for doing that. And we thank you for loving the kids who might not believe they deserve to be loved because that's an absolutely essential part of our job, our career, our profession, our calling. And there's no doubt in my mind that um, you are an extraordinary teacher who deserves our respect and praise. And from the entire teaching community, thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Brett. What a fascinating discussion with a very dedicated educator who's focused his life and his profession on taking care of students who often get lost, who often fall between the cracks, or are simply written off. It is essential that we constantly center our why, as Josh mentioned. Relationships, compassion, service, those sound like good ideas to me. So thank you, Josh, for remembering the way your teachers made you feel, and then trying really hard to make sure your students feel that way too. And thank all of you for joining us again and believing that all children are our children and that all kids deserve our intelligent compassion. And please make sure you subscribe so we can share our articles and uh, questions and links to free resources with other teachers. We can spread the word. And if you have time, please consider leaving a review more reviews lead to more educators celebrating our profession and more community. And that community can definitely meet up on the Teacher's Promise Facebook page. So always remember, you must take care of yourself in order to take care of others. Thank you for being an educator, and thank you for all that you do.